Is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath or not? And what is lawful to do on the Sabbath? We've heard the commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. That was, of course, given to the Israelites during their exodus from Egypt. And for a little more context, I'll give a, I'll a quick run through this word Sabbath. And the number seven, more generally, from which the word Sabbath comes. So the number seven is connected to fullness, to completeness. It's something we all long for, but don't often experience. Instead, of course, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no real rest. Now, this began all the way in the beginning, in creation itself. There was darkness, there was disorder, there was chaos. And God spoke and brought light into that darkness and brought order into that chaos, precisely so that life could flourish. And he did this for several days in a row, for six days. And each day he would say something, he would do something, and then there would be the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But then came the seventh day when God stopped and rested. It's as if creation was brought to completion. And that phrase, there's evening, there's morning, was missing. Like a day with no end, the seventh day. And the land that had been created provided for all of God's creation, including the humans, we who had been appointed the rulers of this whole creation, as kings and queens of creation, and more specifically, kings and queens of the seventh day rest. Kings and queens of the Sabbath. But then, of course, there is the fall. We were captured. We were deceived by the enemy. And as punishment, we were sent into work, into the wilderness, to work forever until we died and returned to dust from which we came. Now, God didn't want it to stay that way. So he started his plan of salvation, of rescuing us, of restoring us back to our original innocence, back to the seventh day rest, back, back to being kings and queens, rulers of the Sabbath. And so he began to form an Israelite people, form first of all them so that they could live in this reality and then share, share it with others. And at one point they were slaves to the Egyptians, these cruel rulers that forced them into servile labor, forced them into this very gruesome labor again and again and again. Now, this is often our experience of sin, being attached, being, being slaves to sin. But God came and liberated them from Egypt, pulled them out of Egypt and sent them to the Promised Land. But of course, before they got to the Promised Land, they had to go through the wilderness through this period of trial in the desert. And it's easy to get lost when we're in the desert. It's easy to get lost when we're in trial. We're not in the promised land yet. But precisely in the desert, precisely in their period of wandering, God invited them to begin living as if they were already in the promised land. And how to do that? How does one do that? How does one begin living as if they were already on the promised land? By following the commandments. 
all of the commandments, including, of course, the third commandment. The, yeah, the third commandment. To remember the Sabbath day, to keep it whole. I didn't write down which number. You think I would know right away? Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. So including to follow that commandment. And his reason here is really important. Every seventh day is a day of rest. Work for six days. Then the seventh day is a day of rest. Because that is what we're created for. We're created to be kings and queens of the Sabbath. So we have to do work as a consequence of the fall. But then on the seventh day, we rest. We stop the work. We enjoy God's world. Anticipating the final rest, the perpetual rest that is to come. And this is, of course, the Sabbath. Now, the Israelites in their calendar, they had more than just the Sabbath to point them towards this. The Sabbath was just one of seven feasts that they practiced each year to point to this reality. And each one anticipated the seventh day rest. And every seven years, they liberated slaves, they forgave debts. The land rested for a whole year. And every seven times seven years, there was the ultimate day's rest, the year of the Jubilee, when all debts were forgiven, everything restored. So again and again, this cycle of seven, seven days, seven years, seven times seven years, repeating itself again and again, all pointing towards the Sabbath future rest. But then they got to the promised land and they forgot their God. They broke the commandments. They forfeited their rest. They went back into slavery and oppression. And during this dark period, the prophets began prophesying that Jesus would come, the Messiah would come and perpetually liberate them, free them again. So it's in this context that Jesus appears and he launches his public mission on what day? On the Sabbath. On the seventh day, in the synagogue, he reads from the scroll of Isaiah and he says, It is now time for all captives to be set free, for all slaves to be released. In his person, he is fulfilling the Sabbath. Fulfilling the year of the Lord's favor, the ultimate jubilee. Implying that the seventh day rest would now come through him. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. Remember, God faced chaos and disorder in the beginning and spoke light and order into the world. Now the same thing is happening. The world is full of chaos and disorder and God in his person, Jesus, who is the light, comes into the world and restores order, liberates people from sickness, from sin, even from death. But then what happened? Jesus died. And it seemed as if the same cycle had repeated again, as if they had entered the promised land, and then fallen right back into slavery. Jesus died. That's how it seemed. Even his, his work was undone. But not quite the end yet. Jesus died at the end of the week, on Friday. So what did he do on the seventh day of the week, on the Sabbath? He rested in the tomb the entire day. And then on the eighth day, the, new, the first day of the new week, in one sense that's true, the first day of the new week, 
But now he resurrects on the first day of this week, initiating a new creation. It's not just a new week, it's a new creation. It's now the eighth day. The eighth day, the number which symbolizes eternity. Not just rest, but eternal rest. God's life and light broke into the darkness, perpetually setting our hope for future future and permanent, eternal rest. But we still experience bondage and slavery to our sins. We're still in this, no, in this gray area, in this no man's land, caught in between God's liberation of us and our own sins. So what do we do about this? Well, we strive to live the commandments, and if slash when we break them, including the commandment to not work on the Sabbath, to rest on the Sabbath. We go to confession, and we confess our sins, and we rise from the darkness once again. And as we journey, Jesus invites us to go deeper and deeper into this reality. As he says to us, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath or not? Well, if the activity is in accord accord with God's life, not with our bondage, but with God's life, then it's lawful. And the Catechism puts it this way. On Sundays and other holy days of obligation, the faithful are to refrain from engaging in work or activities that hinder the worship owed to God, the joy proper to the Lord's day, the performance of the works of mercy, caring would be a work of mercy. So yes, we can cure on the Sabbath. And Jesus, especially, can cure on the Sabbath. So there, Pharisees, there, there's your answer. And the appropriate relaxation of mind and body. So now we turn to the Eucharist to enter into God's resurrection, God's new creation, God's hope of our permanent rest once again.